Hey everyone, welcome to uh, Emotional Duct Tape. I'm Corey. I'm Jamie. And we are so glad you are here. Jamie, how are you doing today? I am doing wonderfully. Um, it is my second week uh, back in full-time employment and I am so happy. I am loving my new job, but shout out to my my team if you're listening. How are you doing, Corey? You know, it's good. It's a uh, holiday weekend is always a little drudgy, but if for a Wednesday, you know, realizing the week is almost done, it's like, hey, this is, this is good. Uh, my wife is uh, going to be uh, summer starting next week with my kids. So they'll be around the house to hang out with me more. And Oh, that's so great. I love that. Yeah. As long as they're quiet during recording sessions, we'll be okay. <laughs> I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Uh, maybe um, we'll have some guest appearances. Maybe some guest appearances. We should, you know what? We should have Harrison on to talk about, you know, feelings. Harrison would steal the show and we would be out of jobs. Okay. It'd be the Harrison show from now on. <laughs> I'm not, uh, I wouldn't be mad about it. I mean, he can join the podcast. He's, yeah. he's the best. Yeah. Um, well, today is, is a, is a fun day. We have somebody uh, on the podcast who I've known for more, probably more than half my life now at this point. Um, he's, he's a dear friend, uh, a good speaker, a great speaker, a comedian, a person with lots of life experiences and lots of stories to tell. Please welcome Aaron Sorrells. <laughs> Thanks uh, for that introduction, Corey. And thank you for having me, both Corey and Jamie. I'm looking forward to chatting with you too. Hi, Aaron. Welcome. Uh, Jamie, you don't know this, but um, I didn't want to tell you until now, but Aaron and I uh, were former bandmates. No way. Oh, yeah. We, you probably what, what can kind tell of by the screenshot that uh, we both rock out. <laughs> so uh, Aaron and I started playing together um, in church. And so Aaron and I, gosh, we played together at least 10 years, at, at least 10 years. And, you know, people, people, when you say, you know, we played together in church, I think a lot of people don't quite uh, comprehend what that really was. It, it, we rocked. It was, it was pretty good. Oh, I believe it. And I mean, what I love about that is that, you know, that's a lot of time to, you know, you go through a lot when you're in a friendship and in a bandmate ship. Um, we did. And, and Corey was quite young when he started drumming and, and uh, when we met. So, yeah. Wait, uh, how, how young, Corey? I was, I think, Aaron, uh, you, I was probably 16 by the time you started playing with us, I think. Yeah. Um, yep, and so mine. Aaron was always nice. Aaron would always drive me 15, 20 minutes out of, out of town to go drop me off at home. when I didn't have a car yet. And then, but Aaron and I, like, yeah, we, we were for a lot of years as with church bands, like musicians change a lot, like people come and go, but Aaron and I, basically, we were the old dogs for a long time because well, we were just, and there's a natural connection between a drummer and a bass player anyway. Yes. yes. You're kind of holding it down for everybody. Yeah. So, That's so cool. Oh, thanks yeah. for like keeping that a secret. It's, it was an extra nice surprise for me today. Yeah, I, I thought I would keep that in there. But yeah, so Aaron and I, um, Aaron, uh, your story is really dynamic because there's lots going on. But um, you are, uh, your moniker with your with your comedy is the unemployed alcoholic. But you're sober, you've been sober for a long time. But we're going to kind of talk about like, the grief that's been in your life and, and all of the, that journey you've been on to where you are now. So yeah, let's just let's start kind of 
let's start somewhere in the beginning. <laughs> well, yeah, yeah. I mean, that's uh, um, most of that transition has uh, happened since you and I were hanging out on a regular basis. But uh, but yeah, I am a comedian now, and I'm involved in some public speaking things, and uh, and and of course, I'm involved in some recovery activities. Uh, but I'm known as the unemployed alcoholic, and my mission is to help people laugh while I'm highlighting both recovery and and my faith. So that's uh, kind of my mission in life. And, you know, where that all came from was a pretty hefty point of pain. Um, and, and Corey, even back when we were playing with the church, uh, alcohol was a real controlling part of my life and part of my story. Uh, it was a crutch that I had developed a very unhealthy relationship with and finally got to the point where um, I had to do something uh, dramatic or I was going to lose everything that was important to me. So, so I ended up uh, resigning from a real good job and uh, threw myself back into a church, which I had become kind of estranged from uh, um, through some things that we might get into uh, later. But I got back and involved into a church and involved in a real good recovery program called Celebrate Recovery. And I thought I might... Uh, uh, take a couple of weeks and recover and then get back to work. But that's just not how it happened. A uh, couple of weeks of unemployment turned to a couple of months, six months, nine months, and ultimately over a year of unemployment where every door I knocked on just closed. And it was a, it was a painful time. But, uh, but during that time, uh, after over a year of unemployment, uh, my wife and I were walking around downtown Grand Rapids, Michigan, and we were just laughing together. And just that that sense of joy, that sense of peace, that sense of being healed uh, that was associated with that laughter, it made me think, you know what, I need to help other people laugh. So I ended up uh, hooking up with an organization called Laugh Fest, which uh, I'm, I don't know if they're a, a part of this podcast or if they've come in, but of course, uh, they deal with uh, support for people that are going through a journey with cancer or a journey with grief. So I love... Um this this theme of comedy and laughter and fun and you know joy in healing um because it's not something we always talk about and um you know especially in recovery i think the innovative ways um that are cropping up uh down here in south florida there's a very large recovery community um i i think maybe because of the, the great weather i think it's a great place to come and heal um, for anybody. Um, and, uh, we have, you know, um, I want to say it's called music, music saves maybe, or, um, you know, something similar. So, um, you know, I just like to see these innovative, uh, ways of coping and, and healing. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's neat to be around a recovery community because, uh, people develop a muscle, uh, when they're going through recovery, uh, or a grief journey for that matter, uh, or any kind of a struggle. You know, people develop this muscle uh, that's the ability to kind of take things as they are and, and just uh, uh, work, work our way through them. So, so that's great that you've got a recovery community down there that uh, uh, you can be in support of and vice versa. Absolutely. Yeah, so, so thinking about kind of the grief process for you, I mean, and thinking about what you know, what was kind of building, you know, and then before you realize like something's got to change, I need to step away and do this. I mean, let's, I'm, I'm, I know you, I know your, your father's past. And I'm sure that was a big part of, of maybe your grief and, and maybe what maybe fueled some of your, your bad habits. 
Well, uh, yeah, it was uh, Christmas two years ago that my dad passed. Um, so, yeah, that was that was certainly a, a point of grief in, in my life. Um, that said, uh, his end of life experience was about as peaceful and good as as you could get. Um, it was it was rather sudden, but uh, it, in fact, from the time that he was admitted to the hospital with advanced Parkinson's disease till he passed, it was only about a three week span. Uh, but during that wow. three weeks, we really got to spend some time together. I have some just snapshot memories that I'll have forever uh, of during that time. We got to talk and, and perhaps most importantly, um, he told me at one point that he knows what's happening to him and he knows what's happening or any, and he knows what that means for the rest of us. Um, and, but he's okay with it. And, uh, and that was good to hear. Wow. So, you know, it's almost like, um, pre closure in a sense, I think for both of you, <laughs> there, there really were a lot of points of, of closure. And during that time, you know, I would see him in the hospital and um, we would have an experience and then I would go out to my car and I'd cry for a while and I'd write about it, you know, and, and then I had the opportunity to uh, deliver his eulogy at his funeral. And I was able to walk through um, basically that, that log of experiences and share those with, with the other people that loved him that weren't as fortunate to have that time with him. So special. Yeah, it, it truly. It yeah, truly it's beautiful. Was. Yeah, Aaron knows you. You know my mom is gone. You've known that for a long time. But Jamie's mom also passed away. Um, so we're all kind of the dead parents club. The dead parents club. You know? um, so yeah, it's it's a really, and sometimes even my mom was sick for three and a half years. So getting kind of knowing where she was going to end up, but getting to at least be there every day with her and process that kind of collectively as a family was was really important um well and and uh, jamie of course this is our first time meeting so um so i didn't know your mom or or know you during the time that you were experiencing that but Corey, i remember watching you go through that experience and uh yeah it was sad but there was uh her her funeral I remember was such a celebration of a of a wonderful life and a person that touched many people yeah yeah that's I it's it's interesting right when you seeing your friends go through it um and then also like you know the the difference between our experiences like my mother passed suddenly um mm. and I had her cremated so there wasn't even you know there wasn't a funeral, um, you know, and I think the detriments in, in that versus the opportunity to like celebrate them. And, you know, like I'm sitting here thinking about this going, well, I mean, why not? I, I could still celebrate her. I could still do a celebration of life. You know, when it happened, I was, I was 29 years old and I wasn't, I, you know, I wasn't expecting to lose a parent and I, she wasn't local and my family was all over the place. So it wasn't like a, there wasn't this idea of like, let's, let's do that. But now I'm like, next time I get the family together, we should do something like that. And it doesn't matter that it's years later. It's, it sounds like it's something that, you know, was helpful in the grieving process, you know, for, for you, Corey, and yeah. even, you know, friends and family. Well, and one thing too, um, Aaron, and you brought this up before we even started recording. And I, I want to talk about it now because it's something that, 
it's it's one of those grief instances that i never really think about or talk about but i'm sure like affects me more than i realized um and that was uh being in the same church we we had a a church leader that had a a moral failing and that affected us in, in a really big way yeah yeah that's uh you know as as we were jamming together wow. as a drummer and bass player um you know there was a, a leader of the church that we were involved with that uh was a very dynamic leader uh he was uh, a wonderful teacher um and he was a, a in many ways a spiritual father and mentor and uh he, he, he made us better musicians too let's talk about that for it, a second. It, it, because because yeah, I, I wasn't very good at 15 you know <laughs> oh but you were tr- you were trying and that's you know impressive on that little the the first little uh, electric drum set that you had where you'd you'd loop it around to left-handed and, <laughs> and all that and, my, and my, by the end you were rocking it out though my my catchphrase was i'll have it by sunday <laughs> i haven't heard that in a while but yeah, yeah. <laughs> did you actually you know nail it by by sunday like he did the, like, you, you, like sometimes i like i at least they they were they gave me enough grace they're like okay this is how it's gonna be so we're just gonna gonna keep going with it yeah my my favorite was you know after after rehearsals after first service after second service i'd usually say okay now we're ready <laughs> yeah but, i like but, these isms Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So but during that time, you know, here was a a man that uh, played a huge role in both of our spiritual development. And, uh, and he had a a moral failing Uh, there. uh, I won't get into all the details, but it was, uh, at least from my perspective, and many others perspective, a very clear moral failing. And it rocked the church. Um, It rocked me personally. I, I remember I was actually hunting with, with some friends uh, and I got the call that uh, this thing had happened or it had come to light. And, uh, and I started bawling, you know, a, a big guy, I'm six foot four. I'm out hunting with a bunch of other guys oh, wow. <laughs> and I'm on my knees weeping. Because, you know, here's somebody that not only I respect, but somebody who personified what it's like to be a godly man. And he didn't act like a godly man. Yeah, that's, I mean, that's devastating. That was exactly, you know, my thoughts of, as you're telling the story of, this is somebody you looked up to, that was a a leader um, to so many people. And I could see how that could be completely just, you know, shakes you to the core. Well, part of it too now is, I mean, and Aaron, I'm sure you're aware of this and Jamie might not be as much because, but there's a a massive like surge right now of like the celebrity pastor culture, you know, of people who start to idealize and idolize, you know, people because they're in charge of a big church or because they write a song that everyone loves but then they find out there's a moral failing or there's these people who are saying like, you know, I don't know if my faith is actually faith anymore and I need to walk away. And so people, you know, they, they get attached to a person, you know, um, there's this, there's a saying that that's like, if a person ever, you know, causes you to lose your faith, it's your, your faith was in the person. It was never in, you know, the higher power. 
And I, and that's, that's a good point. Yeah. Yeah. And, and it's, uh, it is a danger point. You know, we, we, as people have a tendency to idolize and, you know, I mean, a big storyline through the Bible is false idols and a person can be that idol. And, uh, and yeah, you're right. If, if there's a person that has a moral failing that, that um, destroys your relationship with God, then we were just idolizing that person a little bit too much. Um, and, you know, part of my ignorance on this, um, I do not come from a religious background. So, um, you know, I, I, I know bits and pieces, but, um, you know, the difference between or how, how does the church distinguish the difference between a, a moral failing and just, you know, someone being human and making a mistake? Boy, that's, there's a lot there. Because, <laughs> Sorry, yeah, I know, but no, I, can, I imagine if I'm having this, you know, these, these questions in my head, um, you know, listeners may as well. <laughs> well, cause that's, you know, that's the thing, you know, we put leaders into these positions where they can't reach out for help because they'll suffer consequences for it. And, and we're really doing people an incredible disservice by not giving them grace, not giving them a lifeline, not giving them the ability to be honest and transparent about stuff they're struggling with. You know, so, so what happens is, you know, when, whenever we're dealing with shame, we have a tendency to isolate. You know, whenever we're dealing with shame, we want to block other people out and just kind of uh, let ourselves go down this mental downward spiral of, of shame and, and regret. And that usually will end in some big emotional blow up, you know? So I don't know if that's quite where you were going with it, but, but boy, I, <laughs> I really wish that it was easier for, uh, for role models, for leaders to be able to be transparent and honest about wh where they're at and what they're dealing with. Absolutely. Cause you know, we talk about the grief on the side of the, you know, the people that they, that, that are, you know, um, putting in trust in these, in these leaders and, you know, how you guys suffered from, from that situation and, and your grief, but then, you know, there is that grief probably associated with the shame and, and everything else on their side as well. Yeah. Yeah. That's a, that's a, a good point or perhaps, well, I won't get into, um, you know, how things are, I, I won't try to put myself in anybody else's head and explain what they're dealing with or going through. Sure. <laughs> in general needs more grace and just understanding that we're all human, that we're all, we all have our, our points of, of, of susceptibility or vulnerability and that, that it's different for everyone. And it's, it's okay. If it happens, we're not supposed to, we're not meant to be perfect. If we were perfect, we wouldn't need anything, you know, like a higher power in our lives. So amen to that brother. And that's, and the sooner people can grasp that, yeah. um, the better off we are, you know, I mean, it's, uh, you know, one of the things that I benefited greatly from through the recovery process was voicing some of the things I was struggling with in a room full of people mm -hmm. and then watching those people nod in support and not run out of the room screaming. 
you know, because the, the, the mental trick is, you know, I had convinced myself that if people knew who I was and what I was dealing with, um, they would run out of the room screaming. They wouldn't want anything to do with me. And, and it would be something that would separate me from other people. But that's just not the case. We're all struggling with things, including anybody at any level of leadership or moral authority. Mm -hmm. I mean, and that's a big reason why we created this podcast, right? To talk about our collective grief and struggles and, um, you know, sometimes grief can be super isolating and you feel like nobody else has been through this, but like, you know, even though you know other people have been through it, it's still hard in the moment to remember that. And so just these little reminders are really important. Yeah, I was talking about Gilda's Club, uh, which which they're all throughout the country. Um, but the only one I've had contact with is the one here in Grand Rapids. Um, but uh, in, in talking with, with folks from that group, the people that come into those grief support groups, they, that's exactly what they experience. They're, they're feeling isolated. And then when they come in and see the common bond that they're not alone and they're dealing with uh, things that, uh, that everybody deals with, it's, uh, it turns into a very special thing. Uh, so thinking about, you know, so you have all these factors in your life that are, that are really just affecting you to the point that, you know, you're leaning on alcohol to, to, get by i mean did you did you have a watershed moment in which like you were like okay i gotta stop this like this has got to change do you remember that moment where you just realized that like you were powerless to 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 the road you were on yeah yeah i mean i had uh you know i i'll say that um kind of after that instance that we were talking about uh from that point on i had pretty much withdrawn from church Mm-hmm. And, th- and that was, uh, that was very impactful for me because yeah. uh, my relationship with, with Christ has been an important part of who I am and my identity. Mm-hmm. Um, and then to, to move away from that, I naturally, well, I won't say naturally, I, I gravitated to uh, self gratification mm-hmm. and, and all that. And it became, uh, as soon as it, stopped being about God, it became about me. Mm-hmm. And that's a very unhealthy place to be, you know, to, to be the center of my own universe is, uh, it's, it, it ends up being very destructive. Uh, and so during that time, you know, I mean, I was, I, I was living the high life, you know, I was traveling a lot. I was drinking a, a great deal. Um, and, and it was all about me, most importantly. And, uh, you know, it, it did come to a point where I knew, I mean, from, from a health metric standpoint, you know, blood pressure is through the roof. Uh, uh, I had fatty livers disease. Uh, you know, there were a lot of health markers that uh, I shouldn't have been experiencing at this age. And I was. My relationship with my wife. My wife's the most important person on this planet to me. And uh, our relationship was, uh, was heading for trouble, uh, or we were going through hard times, but um, it, it likely would not have survived if I continued drinking. Um, financially, you know, uh, when I left full-time employment and quit drinking, 
we experienced a financial net gain. <laughs> you yeah. know, it, it was uh, uh, it was very wow. uh, impactful. You know, I was I was spending a lot on uh, self gratification and including drinking. So so there were a lot of those things that uh, culminated together. Uh, we had also just moved to Grand Rapids, uh, which Grand Rapids is Beer City, USA, and. And I embraced that wholeheartedly. And, and uh, again, it came to the point where um, I knew I had to do something and I knew half measures uh, wasn't going to cut it. Yeah. Um, well, and I, and I think that's a good point too, because, um, you know, going through recovery, uh, I, I, granted, I have not been through recovery. I've not gotten, I've never had that kind of relationship with, with uh, things, but um, you know, there's probably got to be a, a big humility process too, with acknowledging, you know, the grief you caused your wife and kind of having to face that. And that's got to be a really hard point too. Cause I, your wife is like such a cool person, shout out to her, you know? Um, but I mean, yeah, you had to kind of face all the damage, um, you did there and had to rekindle that. I mean, and I'm sure you're, cause you have kids too. I'm sure your kids were affected by all that as well. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I've had, uh, conversations with all my kids talking about where I was at and, and that, and, and you're right. I mean, my wife, I'm quite fond of her. She's uh she's a great person and, and just, just uh, incredible. And, and we, you know, now our relationship is stronger than it ever has been. We, we actually met when we were in middle school and we were married at age 19. Uh, and no way. Yeah, raised three kids uh, and they're all adults and out of the house now. So uh, by the way, I would encourage teenage pregnancy to anybody uh, listening because you get them in, get them out. And, uh, <laughs> and then by the time you're a grown up, uh, then then uh, they're also grown ups. So <laughs> that's a joke. Don't, you know, I did I mention <laughs> that I dabble in comedy? <laughs> <laughs> well the fact that your kids are all adults terrified because i remember them when they were like small and that <laughs> that's, that's right super we're old now. we're getting old <laughs> but yeah i mean the, there's there's a grief process associated with that too and it's yeah it's it's really humbling just to have to confront everything that that you were either trying to to you know either i mean to some extent probably people you know they they fall into addiction because they embrace something too much and they can't get out of that hole but also it's because of avoidance because you're not facing those things in your life. You're not, you know, you're not reconciling. You're not saying you, and people get really uncomfortable, of course, because by nature we try to avoid conflict, um, you know, and, and so there's, there's a lot going on with that as well. Yeah, that, you're right. And there's, there's two like lightning rod moments in, in the recovery journey or a 12 step journey. The first one is, you know, you talk about humility that getting to the point where you'll walk through the doors of a recovery meeting. Um, that's a difficult thing to do. And, and it's a pride swallowing uh, thing to say, you know what, I, I'm not in control. <laughs> um, I need assistance. Uh, that's really hard. Uh, and, and, you know, that's, that's uh, actually the first step is to admit that we're powerless to control our tendencies uh, to do the wrong thing. Uh, but then another lightning rod moment that you kind of um, that you kind of touched on in the fourth step, uh, you make an inventory of the ways that you've been wronged and the way that is that you've wronged others. Because you're right, anytime there is a, a a problem 
uh, of idolizing something, anytime there's a problem of addiction to something or, uh, or abuse or any, anything like that, um, if you dig down enough, uh, there's people that we've wronged and there's ways that, that we've been wronged that is kind of at the root of all that. So that fourth step of making that inventory, it's tough. It's tough. And, and you got to have people around you that have been through that process that can, you know, at, at times just say, you know, you're on a good path. Uh, keep it up. Yeah. And that, that is one of the things that in grieving, we all really need. Sometimes it's not sending flowers or anything. It's you're, you're, you're doing what you're supposed to be doing and you're, you're doing just fine and you're going to be okay. And you need to keep going. Yeah. Yeah. That's uh, support. I think is, is, the <laughs> oh, term. is that what it's called? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I know that that is so true. And I mean, uh, celebrate recovery obviously is, is really good. And um, I want to real quick touch back on this, but um, we had somebody else on the podcast way back when, you know, who actually went through the 12 step program uh, was not a Christian though, you know, and that's part of it too. You know, like I know that we talk about, we've, this, this is kind of a faith conversation today. So, um, but I mean, you don't necessarily have to have faith. I mean, to, to uh, be part of the recovery process through 12 steps, but also too, I think um, even going back further to what you were saying a while ago is that um, I think the big thing with, with this world in general. Um, and I, I, I think of a lot of the problems the world has, and I, I think it boils down to hope. Now for, for Aaron and I, you know, like our, our hope is, is in our faith and, and God and our higher, higher power. Um, and that's, that's what we do is that that's not for everyone and that's okay. But I think the lack of hope is really something that, that really messes with people and really um, causes a lot of hurt in the world. Yeah. Hope, hope is incredibly uh, important. You know, if uh, you know, talking a little bit about the, mental health aspect and, mm -hmm. and depression, especially, you know, depression, uh, with, with me sets in, if I can't see a way that tomorrow is going to be different or better than today, mm -hmm. you know, it's, uh, uh, a feeling of hopelessness is, uh, it's, it's rough. And you, and you're right. I mean, I'm, I'm not someone who's going to preach to somebody about what they need to believe <laughs> yeah. um, or what their position on faith uh, should be. I just, I just don't think it's fruitful yeah. um, to, to do so, but I will share my experience. You know, the, the thing that I get out of a relationship with Jesus is hope. <laughs> I get, I get to see myself as I feel he sees me. So when I look in the mirror and see me, I don't see all my failures. I don't see all my shortcomings. You know, I see somebody who's washed in the blood of Christ and, and is valuable and is loved. And that, I mean, that empowers me and makes me able to tackle very difficult things and, and make my way through it. One thing I'm curious about too, um, because I know like depression has been, I mean, some mild form of depression has been hitting me this, this past year. Um, 
you know, you, you, you started to embrace this, this public speaking, this comedy, what was it like for you this year with the pandemic and being, you know, kind of not being able to be probably doing what you like to do, what, what keeps you pushing on besides your faith? Like you, you, you couldn't go out and do like public speaking. You probably had to do like online seminars and whatnot. What, what was that like for you um, this past year? And like, how was that bumping up against, you know, you staying sober too, for that matter? Well, I started a lot of podcasts. <laughs> we, uh, I, I actually uh, did start two podcasts uh, because awesome. yeah, um, you know, awesome. having purpose and, and be able to being able to connect with people is, is very important. I mean, I, I love being on stage, telling some jokes, sharing some stories, and just seeing a room unite with laughter. Uh, oftentimes a very diverse group of people, you know, and who knows what they've all experienced through that day. But when everybody comes together in laughter, it's, it's a wonderful, wonderful thing. And, um, you know, being able to do that, uh, and do that, I guess, well enough to say, that's what I do. <laughs> um, that it's, it's a hard journey to get to there. And it was a, journey that I was doing and I was making it, you know, uh, Jan the January and February of 2020, I had bookings coming in, I had paid things lined up. And it was like, what, this idea of being the unemployed alcoholic and and doing comedy, like it's, it's resonating with people, it's getting traction, and I'm getting booked. And like, it was like, wow, this is really happening. And then I, I don't know if you recall, but uh, there was this pandemic <laughs> that hit. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds familiar. I don't know. Yeah, yeah. COVID something, you know, but uh, um, and everything shut down. And so everything came to a screeching halt. Uh, now, for, fortunately, uh, a couple of years before that, everything came to a screeching halt when I left my job and threw myself into recovery. So um, I had experienced something like that, which that's a kind of a, a neat thing to look back on that um, my struggles actually prepared me to be able to handle that uh, emotionally jarring experience of having, you know, the career, the field that I was in completely shut down for over a year. So wild. Yeah, I know that's, yeah. that's amazing. Um, I kind of want to circle back on something that you were just talking about before this about, you know, you were finding hope in, um, you know, how, um, Christ sees you, right? Yeah. So, um, I stumbled upon something today, um, that from a former guest of ours, Raina, uh, she made a post and one of the things she said in it that really resonated with me and it was very similar is, um, there's this woman, I'll make this a short story, but essentially there's this woman in her neighborhood who she wrote into a children's book. And this woman said, you know, I'm a, a one of nine children. I never felt seen. And being in your book made me feel so special. And she goes, I never really felt that way. And Raina responded something along the lines of, you just can't see yourself through other people's eyes. So, you know, it's, it's very similar and, and I think it's a very similar sentiment in that we oftentimes, um, do not see ourselves the way 
other people see us. We're our own worst critics, our own worst enemies, and the grief that comes with that of like self-loathing and everything that, you know, we just get inside our own heads so much. And, um, you know, we really can't see how awesome we are. Um, and it's, you know, I think if we tried to shift our perspective and listen to the things that people are saying to us about us and how great we are, you know, people are generally are saying you're awesome. So why are we telling ourselves we're not, <laughs> you know, um, but it's just, I don't know. It was, it was just like a beautiful full circle thing there that I wanted to, to share. Yeah. Thanks for sharing that. And, and that's beautifully put and said, uh, that's, that's uh, a wonderful thing that, that your friend was able to uh, share that with that person. Yeah. So anybody that's going through something and you're feeling like you're not good enough or you don't have hope, um, just try to listen to what other people are telling you um, because they, they see the beauty in you. You know, we see the beauty in you. Um, and it's, it's just super important to just remember that, um, you know, take a step back from our, our thoughts and say, okay, is this something I've heard somebody say to me, or am I telling myself this? And why do I feel that way when other people are saying otherwise? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And I don't know where that, that cycle or that trap comes from, but it sure is there. Like, um, stress <laughs> but yeah stress that's that's probably a, a big big component of it but yeah we can I, I know I can get so negative in my thinking about myself that you know I've got to have a safety relief valve to say <laughs> you know yeah. wait a minute this is not this is not true what the the negative thought spiral that I'm thinking about myself right now is not accurate and it has to be changed I, I think it's I think it's actually based in 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 my mind I see it based on we're always comparing ourselves to everybody else. So in that mm. example, you know of of the person reading his book, you know she was one of nine kids, so she was always comparing herself to her siblings. You know I I think it's you know if it's going back to a spiritual leader, you know someone you put your your trust into, you know you're always comparing yourself to how they live their life. If you, you know, if, if it's, you know, it's can be, if you're in school, it's a grade, you know, if it's a job, it's who's getting the promotions, you know, that you're not getting, you know, it, I think it's really, it's just, it's a, a constant comparison of ourselves against everyone else in our lives. And that's, that's a really dangerous thing to do. So it's just my thought. Um, Aaron, and I, I, I would imagine, obviously, you know, because you're, you're having success with your, with public speaking and, um, you're getting opportunities to talk to people, but I'm sure you're also getting people who are talking to you either after the show or emailing you saying like, Hey, this helped me to realize like, you know, I needed to make a change and now I'm on my way to making those changes I need to. And that's gotta be really, really validating too in your grief process too, I would imagine. Uh, yeah. I mean, there's, there's nothing I enjoy more than, uh, connecting with somebody at a point when they're ready to be vulnerable yeah. and, um, and just offering a little bit of encouragement to them. That's, uh, that's great. And I have, I've had a number of wonderful opportunities to connect with people, you know, co comedians that, uh, you know, I never would have guessed uh, would, would be at a point where they want to make a turn or, or make a change. And we've been able to have conversations and just, uh, just share some of my experience. Again, I, I, I try not to tell people what they should do. You know, as, as a comedian, um, 
you know, that my, if with a mission of uh, helping people laugh while highlighting recovery and faith, you know, I spent a lot of time in the bars and, and, you know, I certainly don't walk around knocking beers out of people's hands or hitting them over the head with the Bible. That's just, it, it just wouldn't be effective, but people know who I am and people know my experiences. And if they're at a point where they want to have a conversation about either of those things or something completely different, uh, uh, they know that I'm available and even in, enjoy uh, those interactions. So, This conversation has been so interesting and great. And I love when we get off on tangents like this. And <laughs> uh, I just feel so warm and fuzzy. And I mean, and personally from experience, I mean, you and I've had conversations, Aaron, over the years and a, a few, a few less in the past few years, we need to fix that. But I mean, that's right. But I mean, you know, like how many conversations did we have sitting on stage, you know, before, you know, before shit, before getting on stage or driving to and from places or just, yeah. you know, like doing whatever. So yeah, there's, there's definitely value, you know, with that. Um, well, Corey, I mean, you're, you, you're a neat guy. Uh, you're, you're somebody who's important. Do you hear that? (laughs) You, you are, you're you're, like, when I looked at moving down to the big, scary city of Grand Rapids, you're somebody that I connected with and you were just very encouraging in in that point, you know, and now Grand Rapids is about the smallest place (laughs) you could find, you know, but, uh, um, but at the time coming from, uh, a smaller town, uh, it, it was intimidating. So it was, it was really nice to have somebody that I respect, uh, somebody who I've shared experiences with, uh, here that I knew. So thanks for that. I appreciate that. So, um, one thing we always do when we end, um, our podcast, uh, is we, we ask this question, we ask our guests to, uh, to finish the sentence for us. It can be a single word. It can be a few words. It can be whatever you want. Um, how would you finish the sentence? Grief is. Huh. Um, Take your time. See, I, I didn't know you were gonna be dropping things on. I I thought I was just gonna come on here, plug my podcast, and then go. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I, I, I'm gonna say what grief isn't. Okay. Uh, grief isn't an all bad thing. Love that. Ain't that the truth? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, 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 there is. Yeah. That's great. That's really good. I, I love how you, you're the first one to turn it around on us. So that's, yeah, well, that's, that's, that's what I Corey's do. Face? <laughs> I wish you guys could see Corey's face. He, uh, he like, he, he can't hide his emotions and his feelings. It's no, he's, he'll never awesome. make it as a poker player. <laughs> <laughs> I actually, I'm, I'm terrible at poker, by the way. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I'm, I believe I'm that. Certain of that. <laughs> I, have to, I have to play online or else I'm never going to win. <laughs> You just have an avatar with a beard and <laughs> he doesn't, he doesn't do anything. He doesn't blink. He just sits well, there. He has a big smile. So that's his poker face, you know, too. So, but We like that. Were you going to say something, Jamie? Before? Oh yeah. I'm just, I'm, thank you, Aaron. I'm super excited because I know that, you know, if, if there isn't a listener who's going through what you've been through, there are listeners who know people in the same situation. And I'm excited to expose them to everything you've got going on. Um, and, uh, just, I, I think you're, you're a great starting point resource. You know, I definitely deal with pain by laughing. Corey, I know, you know, does as well. Um, so, you know, I, um, I just, I'm, I'm very excited. 
Yeah, well, yeah, yeah. Um, let's. I mean, we're gonna put your stuff and we're gonna link it in the description of the episode. Your stuff. <laughs> but let's talk about what's going on. Yeah, let's talk about some things people can look out for. Finally, again, I get to talk a little bit about myself. You know, <laughs> no, no. It's um, well, the probably the easiest way to like get a hold of me um, is through my website, which actually is theunemployedalcoholic.com. Uh, hard to believe that that was available, but <laughs> it, it was pre-pandemic. Now, uh, post, you know, post or during, uh, I think there's going to be a lot, but there probably are a lot more. <laughs> uh, right, right. Yeah, I was, I was the unemployed alcoholic before it was cool. <laughs> but yeah. So a- anyway, and there's links to all the different social media platforms and that at theunemployedalcoholic.com. If if uh, you know, there's a listing of shows. Most of the shows are actually listed on my other website, Clean Comedy Time. Uh, that's me and uh, another guy from Grand Rapids, a good friend of mine, Brian Atkinson. Uh, we we came together to start this company and and bring comedians that can do clean material together uh, and uh, just just have shows and laugh together. And and again, that's that's rolling now. We we're back to doing live shows. Uh, so, but that's a big rambling answer to say the best way to find out more about me is through my website, theunemployedalcoholic.com. <laughs> are you, are you um, doing like any speaking engagements? Or do you book out of state at all yet? Or? Uh, I've, I, I did one thing out of the country uh, that was pre-pandemic. Uh, so yeah, I'm, I'm an international uh, sensation. <laughs> Congratulations. <laughs> thank you. Thank that's, you. Yeah. That's very impressive. Yeah, yeah, and I've I've done a few things, uh, small things like in in Chicago and and not not big paid uh, things, but I, you know I found that uh, there's so many people that enjoy laughing that we can just right here in the local area we can put enough shows together to to be considered uh, or for me at least to consider it uh, successful and good. I love that. Well, Aaron, um, I love you, man. It's, it's so good to see you. And uh, like, thank you so much for, for, for being on my podcast. Like your celebrity status is much higher than mine. So. Yeah. Right. So yeah. I appreciate that you make time for the little people still in your life, you know, so. the, that your listeners are going to think way too much of me now because I'm, I'm a pretty, pretty local guy. So, but yeah, but thank you for being here today for talking with us. It's, it's always good to have conversation and to, to hear you know, someone's grief journey turning out positively. So. Yes, we love it. Thank you, Aaron. Thank yes, you so thank much. you, Corey. Jamie, such a pleasure to get to know you a little bit Likewise. through this. Thank you for chatting. This was this was a great great Absolutely. fun. Absolutely. And everyone else, thank you for tuning in, and we will catch you next time. Thanks, everybody.